Hey, what's up, Cub fans? Welcome to episode 28 of Locked On Cubs. I'm your host, Ryan Davis of FanRag Sports and the Sporting News and also CubsInsider.com. I have a special guest on with me tonight, my very good friend, Jared Willis of Sporting News and formerly of BP Wrigleyville and a whole bunch of others at Cubs Den. Uh, Jared, I've, I've known you forever, so I don't think of you as Jared from Cubs Den and BP Wrigleyville and Sporting News. I just think of you as, as Jared. How's it going, man? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. You uh, you rescued me from a couple hours worth of transcribing that I had to do tonight, so um, I'm feeling good. Man, I, I have not had a whole lot of transcribing to do since I went to Twins Camp last week. I've basically caught up on everything that I have. Like all my notes are are squared away. And I've I was just thinking the other day, like that is my my one thing I don't look forward to to the season starting. Like I have one more full month before I have to start thinking about transcribing again. Yeah, it's it's uh I was just explaining to somebody the other day about how you know a uh, 20 minute interview can take an hour to transcribe so it's like you got to multiply everything by four or five in terms of right. time so it's uh, and i have probably a couple hours worth of audio right now that i'm just sitting on so yeah any chance to put that off for another night yeah well someone brought up this point i don't remember who it was so i can't credit them but somebody mentioned on twitter that uh they have kids and 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 you have kids, and I also have a daughter, and I, it's a good point. At some point, they will be old enough to transcribe. This is true. This is true. Just, um, you know, transfer the files to the computer, give them each, you know, give them each a keyboard and get them, get them going on it. It's not a bad idea. Yeah, can you know, really, really help you out? I mean... Hey, hey, little girl, you, you want to transcribe some baseball quotes? I'm sure our kids would find that very fun. Very fascinating. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that would. Uh, yeah, um, I'm sure they would. They would look back on that fondly one day. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure transcribing for us is just as fun as listening to us talk about transcribing for the listeners. So this is true. Uh, I'll go right into what happened today with the Cubs for our first segment. Uh, second segment, uh, you and I can talk a little bit more about uh, what we've learned so far from spring training. And then final segment, we'll talk a little bit about a Houston Astros pitcher who made some some bold comments today. Uh, so uh, the Cubs beat the Padres 10-4 to today. Uh, here are a few, just a few notes. Uh, Baez had a triple, but then had to leave with hamstring tightness. Uh, it says basically he just needed to drink more water. It was more of a cramp than anything else, I guess. So not a whole lot of worry with Javier Baez. Tyler Chatwood was solid again. Three innings, two strikeouts, two walks, one earned run. Uh, Justin Wilson, great again. One inning, uh, one hit, no walks, no runs. Still has a 0.00 ERA. And then Justin Grimm. Uh, man, th this guy is... He's yeah. battling for what I would assume would be the last uh, bullpen spot. This is a guy who can't be sent down to the minors anymore. You know, one inning, two hits, two walks, an earned run, 6.00 ERA. I mean, the, the ERA in spring training isn't necessarily like a big deal, but um, you know, this is one guy that if you were looking at stats or how the guy is pitching and thinking that actually could matter, uh, for his future with this team, it's probably just been grim. So not all that good news for him. Yeah, that's probably 
like that's the most interesting thing to come out of today's game i think is you know you're right like this is a guy who he's got to do well this spring because he he doesn't have options left um and so it's kind of a scary picture for him right now because i just you know the the walks like it doesn't look good that's and that's it's a bullpen that got a lot deeper um this offseason so there's less room for him um and so you know, you want to see something a lot different from him, but I don't know. I've got a feeling that um, the 25-man roster is not going to have him on it. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of leaning in that way, too. I do think the Cubs take eight relievers uh, just because Joe Madden and, and his love for having relievers, uh, even with Mike Montgomery in there, I think they have eight. And I think they can include Justin Grimm with eight, but, man, how do you leave a guy like Dylan Maples who comes and just wipes people out with a slider? I, yeah. mean, I guess, I, I guess the only logic that I could see the Cubs using is that they want to give Grimm kind of a longer look uh, and then they can still send Maples down to AAA, let him work yeah. there for a little bit, give Grimm that extra, you know, April or, or what, what have you kind of like they did with Neil Ramirez a couple years ago where they where it looked like he was in, in a crunch to make the roster. They put him on there anyway and then they ended up just, you know, letting him go essentially a month into the season. Yeah, I can see, you know, since you mentioned that, um, that sounds like a reasonable option. Like, since you can afford to let Dylan Maples go pitch in, in Iowa um, for the first month or six weeks or so and see what Justin Grimm looks like over an extended period of time and, and hope that he finds it again, Um it might happen, but, you know, Cubs fans and and I think both of us are anxious to see what Maples can do with, an, you know, some in, innings of his own at the major league level. So I feel like we're all going to be a little impatient about that if that's what happens. Yeah. Um, uh, I guess moving on a little bit um, past talking about Justin Grimm here, uh, tomorrow's game or today, if you're, or if you're listening to this, I guess, uh, Friday's game. John Lester takes the mound. It's 2 o'clock Central Time start against Los Angeles Angels. And if you have MLB TV, you are in luck because the Angels are broadcasting it on Fox Sports West. So uh, you'll be able to see the game. My final note for the first segment, something cool at Real Cubs Insider on Twitter today, you Darvish cranking a left-handed batting practice home run. <laughs> uh, it's nice to, nice to see him stepping up to the plate and actually swinging in the bat, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that was kind of – it was a surprise to see. Um, yeah, I ran across that today too. Um, cause I think it's, uh, who is it John that they have down there in Arizona? Um, yeah, John, he's John Fairlease. Yeah. He's getting all these pictures and video and stuff, which is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, yeah. It was like, that was kind of a nice surprise on the, the old, uh, Twitter feed today it was, it was Darvish getting in there and cranking one. Yeah. Apparently he doesn't just take walks at the plate. Yeah. Um, and I want to, you know, I want to be there when he does that at Wrigley and just and see everybody go nuts. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, we'll we'll see if the batting practice power translates to the game. <laughs> yeah, that's always a big jump. All right, why don't we go ahead and go over to segment two real quick. All right, so uh, what do you think we've learned from spring training thus far i don't it's it's hard to say learn i mean spring training is just what it is and and we've talked 
on this podcast before about how spring training is essentially just practice. So there's not a whole lot to learn from it per se. But uh, I feel like there are storylines that exist now that didn't exist a few weeks ago. Uh, what have you identified the, that stands out uh, with this team that is interesting from spring training? Well, I think the Cubs are one of a small number of teams where they don't have really like the roster battles going on. Mm-hmm. Um other than maybe like we just talked about, like you're you're talking about a, you know, which which guy is your eighth reliever. But other than that, there's there there isn't really that question about, you know, a bench bat or who's going to grab another spot because um, they're pretty well set. But um, once again, Ian Happ is having another big spring. You know, I think we all remember he did this last year, and. You know, so to me right now, it's kind of forcing the question of like what what you do with Ian Happ, Um, because I feel like I want to get that guy in the lineup during the regular season as much as possible. Um, The trouble is where you put him um, that that he can he can be out there as often as he can. You know, thankfully, he's flexible on defense and you can stick him at second base every so often if you need to. Um, but so I think like the most interesting thing is, you know, he's, he's, I feel like he's forcing his way in there. And so then what we're learning maybe is that somebody like Almora might see some of his, his playing time squeezed a little bit. Um, and honestly, Jason Hayward, you know, at, at some point, like if you're not hitting and somebody else is, and we've got these other guys that can, that can take your spot, then you know, we might see less of Jason Hayward in the lineup um, this season, you know, depending on how his back goes. I just don't have a lot of faith in it anymore. Um, so I think the – I don't and I don't even know if that's something that we're learning so much as what we're seeing happen and a question that is emerging and something that we're going to have to see how it unfolds. Um, I, maybe we're learning that our – you know, the, the rotation is something to be really excited about. I think, you know, people should be keeping a close eye on Tyler Chatwood. You know, in all the excitement about getting you Darvish, I think we're missing how good of a number five starter that Chatwood can be. Um, you know, it's nice to see him do so well today. And so maybe that's the thing that we're learning in terms of, you know, that part of the question. Like, this rotation is is one of the best they've had in a long time. Um and I've seen, and I know, I know you've probably seen too, where there's the comparisons to the 2016 rotation and coming into the season that what we have now might actually be better. Yeah. Um, I wrote something a few days ago where I looked at the historical aspect in, in Cubs franchise history with this rotation. And really I just took one metric and it was uh, Dan Zimborski's uh, zips projections. I took the five men projected to be the starters and uh, calculate or just totaled up their war, and um, the projected war was like seventeen point three. It wasn't even including like all one hundred and sixty two games because uh, those five guys just weren't projected for one hundred and sixty two. But at any rate, I, I took that number and looked back in Cubs history, essentially in, in modern Cubs history, and I think it was like eleventh or twelfth uh, overall since like nineteen forty seven is where it would have landed. So in the top percentage. And then uh, if you look just back the last like 20 years or so, uh, the only teams that that had a better than 17.3 war with their starting rotation 
where the 2016 team, the 2015 team, the 20, 2004 team, and the 2003 team. And all those teams won 88 or more games. Three of those four teams made the playoffs, and all three made it to the NLCS and one obviously won the World Series. So uh, that tells you anything. It's that this Cubs team has a very good rotation and is in kind of elite company in their own franchise history. And when they're that good, they end up doing very, very well. Yeah, and that's in, and that that I think is the big thing um, is that rotation as a whole. Like they're probably better, maybe than like maybe now we're starting to realize it, but I don't think going into spring training that that people fully understood um, just how good that group should be. Um, obviously, things can happen, but given what they're they're rolling in with right now. Um, that's a pretty big deal. Yeah. Um, one other thing that I wrote down that you touched on a, a little bit, I, I wrote down Ian Happ as the leadoff man, uh, which I wouldn't have totally expected coming into spring training. But now, you know, the more I see it, the more I'm leaning towards this guy's going to be leading off pretty much every time he's in the lineup. And I also wrote down Jason Hayward possibly losing playing time. Not necessarily something we've learned, but I think we are at a point with this roster with guys like Almora and Hap and Schwarber who need playing time, who are outfielders and are young and developing. And they're kind of reaching this point where you can't justify sitting Albert Almora Jr. If he's, you know, obviously improving and performing, which he, he did in the second half last year. I mean, he was, he was very good in the second half. He absolutely crushes lefties. So he has to be out there every time there's a left-hander on the mound. Uh, This is a guy who has been, who's done everything he has to to earn that playing time and I, I think he's got to be out there you have to see what you have in this former top prospect first round draft pick who has this excellent defense and and could be an excellent hitter as well same thing for hap former first round pick high prospect you know he's done nothing but hit he's got to be out there schwarber has to be out there so i don't with hayward it, we're kind of reaching this point where it's like if you're not hitting it's kind of like sunk cost money and like you're, you know, you're not getting offensive performance from out from, from Jason Hayward from this point forward. You're, you're just eating the money and hoping you get anything you can. I I just can't justify playing him every day, which is pretty much what he's done when he's healthy. And you know, that that's unfortunate. I don't like having to come to that conclusion because I really hope Jason Hayward can turn it around. I wrote uh, recently, or maybe I talked on the podcast, that if you looked at just in like July last year, Jason Hayward had decent offensive numbers, and he kind of went into uh, a tailspin towards the end of the year, and and it made him worse, made his numbers look worse. But he was okay. He was hitting okay in July. He had hit for a little more power. He was getting on base at a reasonable rate. He had a, like a 268 batting average. So, I mean, like numbers you can absolutely live with. If he can bring that back, then sure, give him all the playing time that he needs because he's an elite defender and a, and a great base runner and an on-field leader. But um, they're kind of reaching this saturation point with their roster. And maybe it's maybe it ties back to the rotation because for the longest time we thought – some of these young players were going to have to be traded for pitching and that would solve the, you know, more players than playing time issue. 
but now they've solved their starting their whole starting rotation is locked in for at least the next three years and they didn't have to trade anybody off the major league roster so it's really curious to me how they're going to solve that issue and it is you know when you you frame it that way like that it is kind of surprising as we look at it now where they stand because i think that's an expectation that we all had was that we were going to see somebody off of the major league roster like Elmora or Hap um, get traded or even, you know, Schwarber's name gets thrown out there a lot um, as well. But I, yeah, that's an expectation I think we all had. And and yet here we are, they've really beefed up this rotation and those guys are all still here. And so, yeah, what, what happens, um, you know, in terms of playing time and we have, his name hasn't even come up, but, you know, you still have Ben Zobrist, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and what do you do with him? Because, you know, last year, I think he was dealing with some, you know, some nagging injuries and obviously he's, what is he, 36 years old, 37. And so, you know, we, we should temper our expectations about a bounce back season, but, you know, if he's feeling healthy, um, that's a guy that can still hit pretty well. So what happens there? Um, and so there's what about a, Tommy Lasella. I mean, yeah. that's a guy who could probably start on at least a lot of know, a third of the league, at least, at least. Um, and so, you know, you can say a lot, you know, as much as you want, like, Oh, they, Hey, this is depth is a good problem to have, but there is also a point where you're, you're maybe stunting like player development because these guys need to be out there every day or as much as they can. And when, when there's just no room for them to play, um, that does start to create problems as far as like, what does the future look like for some of these young players when, you know, were they on a different team, they'd be out there in the lineup every day. Um, it's a long-term issue, you know, in the short term of the upcoming season, you know, maybe you can't let that, cloud your judgment but it's a legitimate question and one that interestingly they they didn't address the way that i think a lot of us expected that they would um by flipping some of those guys for pitchers yeah and i think this will be a really interesting season you know I, I the one thing that we haven't really brought up is that injuries do happen and they did last year especially with zobrist and, and a few of the others yes uh, so they did get uh, those guys in the lineup and it really wasn't much of a problem but at, at this point in spring training everyone's healthy and it, it reminds me of that problem they had two years ago when they signed Fowler late in spring training and they uh, they were going into the season with Fowler and Schwarber and Hayward and Jorge Soler and the, basically the conversation was you have four starting outfielders with three spots how are you going to make it work and then three games into the season, uh, Kyle Schwarber shreds his ACL and that kind of solves the problem. And then, you know, basically Hayward has the subpar year and, and Solaire is injured and has kind of a subpar year. And you're, you're really looking for more outfield production at that point. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure this uh, will it, all be solved, but it, it's yeah. just interesting at this point. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a great, great example of, you know, here we are and maybe not wringing our hands so much, but you know, sort of wondering about what happens with all of this, but that's a, a great example of, you know, February, late February of 2016, we were all thinking the same thing, um, just with different names. And those things have a way of, of uh, working themselves out sometimes. 
Well, all right. Uh, I think we should probably go on to our final segment now that we've kind of gone over the what we know about spring training, what we've learned. Um, final thing I wanted to talk about was uh, Houston Astros starter Dallas Keuchel made some comments to, I don't know, maybe like a local beat writer or, or whatever. Somebody mentioned the idea of the World Series hangover to Dallas Keuchel. And his response basically was, you know, the Cub, the base point of the figure of the Cubs and saying they had the World Series hangover last year, but we're not going to have it this year because we have better players than the Cubs. And I don't know. Obviously, the Cubs have very good players. Both teams have outstanding players on their roster. So no, no one can argue that the Astros don't have great players. But uh, last year, the Astros won nine more regular season games than the Cubs, and they won the World Series. I, I know fans are going to want to, like, shake their fist uh, at Dallas Keuchel about this, but is he all that wrong to suggest the Astros are better than the Cubs right now? No, like that's, this has been, you know, uh, such a surprise to me to see the reaction of some of this today is like it, two things. Number one, like you said, that is, that, that is not a, an outrageous claim to make that the Astros are better than the Cubs because they, they might be, um, and number two, you know, we've talked about this kind of thing before, but like what on earth do you expect the player to say in that situation? I kind of jokingly tweeted about it today, but, you know, the day a player on the Astros says, yeah, you know, I really think we're going to have a World Series hangover this year and, you know, maybe we'll coast around 500 until the All-Star break and then try to step on the gas after that. You know, they're never going to say that because no. they don't think that. You know, they don't expect for that to happen. You know, we could rewind a year. No one on the Cubs roster thought that they were going to have a hangover going into 2017. We were all talking repeat and all of that. Um, nobody was was thinking that. And so it, it's, it's just wild to me that, you know, people are getting angry with him. Like, well, what do you think he's going to say? Um, because he, he believes that. And, and who knows? Maybe he'll be proven right and the Astros will just kind of you know, sail through the AL Central or the AL West. Um, and, you know, maybe it won't matter, but maybe come June or so, we'll all be looking at the Astros and saying, oh, yeah, there's there's a World Series hangover going on going on there. Um, but no matter what, like, like I, I tweeted at somebody today, um, like, that's honestly, like, it's a very vanilla quote that he gave. It, right. You know, it's kind of like when the player says, yeah, we've got a great group of guys here. Um, you know, of course they think that. They all think that. Um, it was uh, Travis Miller. You know, shout out to, you know, the, the the genius behind at Cubs. But Travis Miller, from his own account, said today, you know, the Yankees all think that they have a great team. The Astros think they have a great team. The Nationals think they have a great team. The Cubs think, the they, Cubs have think they have a great team. Right. Like, all these guys think this. Like, so why and they all do? Right, and they're all, and none of them are wrong. So why are we so upset with Dallas Keuchel for saying we're good? And I yeah. don't expect us to have a you know, yeah. like I would be angry if he had come out and said, "Yeah, we're just gonna kind of loaf it for a couple of months and kick back." And um, you know, it's just it's such a weird thing sometimes. The you know it, the almost like tribalism of of fandom like yeah you know what do you expect the guy to say and what would you want a guy on your roster to say think about what rizzo said a couple on what was it 2015 
when he said, mm-hmm. we're going to win the division this year. Right. Um, that's what, what you want your players to say. Yeah. And I'm sure uh, Cardinals fans probably look back on some quotes. Nothing comes like straight to mind, but some quotes that Cubs players have made over the last couple of years and kind of have their own tribalism, their own kind of anger right. uh, at how dare you slight us. But I mean, it's not apples to orange or it's not apples to apples it is apples to oranges but uh you know how how would we have thought had uh you know the cubs said at the start of 2016 or start of the 2017 season well we're we're not the kansas city royals we're better than the royals Uh, we're not going to have the world series hangover like the royals did yeah it would have been fair to say because they have a better team. They they were better than the Royals. Right. But would Royals fans have had every right to get upset about that? No, I don't think they really should have been upset had that happened. I can see why fans would think that Dallas Keuchel's making like a jab at the Cubs out of nowhere because a lot of times when, when reporters ask these questions, when we ask these questions, uh, we're looking for a, a decent quote or we're looking for a guy to say something that's newsworthy because that's our job is to find something newsworthy and run with it. And, you know, a lot of time it lo- just, you know, the fact that somebody asked a question that prompted that response gets kind of glossed over in the eyes of the fans. And all they see is here's Dallas Keuchel coming out of nowhere, slighting the Cubs. And yeah, I, I saw people talking about it like, oh, I haven't thought about the Astros in years since they left the uh, NL Central, and I didn't realize the Cubs and the Astros were rivals. And it's just like, that's not a rivalry thing to say. Maybe it's a bit bold. Maybe he's he's right. going out there being bold and saying, I think we're better than the Cubs in 2017. But he's not wrong. That's the right. thing. is, I, I just don't understand. I do understand why people get upset about it, but I don't understand why the people who get upset don't realize they're being ridiculous. And and the thing that in like we've both experienced it, but the thing that people don't see when they read that quote in an article is you don't get the question that was asked that prompted that right. response. And right. there, I would bet um, whoever asked him probably referenced the Cubs. Because yeah, absolutely. Most recent example, you know, back up a season or two more seasons, you'd reference a different team, like you just said with the Royals, but. I'm sure whoever asked the question mentioned the Cubs as an example because it was pretty obvious to all of us that, yeah, they had a World Series hangover in the first half of the season. Um, Yeah, and so, of course, Keiko's going to say, well, yeah, I I think he's going to mention the the Cubs specifically because I guarantee that was a part of the question that was asked of him, you know? Right. Um, And so, and so, so that's part of it, too, where, like, you know, you don't see what the question was that prompted that response. And so that's a big part of it, too, because sometimes not because they're trying to be malicious or anything like that, but beat writers or national writers will ask questions in a particular way because they're trying to get a good quote. Um, right. cause you, you know, as well as I do, it's tough sometimes when you, you talk to a player and and they give you a lot of nice good sports cliches and you walk away and you think there just wasn't a whole lot that was insightful or interesting from that. Um, and so you, you know, sometimes you frame your questions in a way where you're, you're trying to get um, a, a different kind of response. Right. It's like, 
you know, people get upset that you uh, that you write headlines that that are to entice people to click, and then they call it clickbait. And it's like, well, yeah, I, I want you to click. That, <laughs> yeah. That's the whole thing is I don't get paid if you don't click. So I need you to click to read. It's the same way with players. Like I need to I need to ask a question in a way that gets them to say something interesting because. Yeah, man, a lot of these guys, I don't think fans realize to the degree that these guys have been trained not to tell us anything interesting. It's and not it, it, it's not something that they just that the, these people were right. naturally boring. They just they have been told and they have learned on their own to not be yeah. interesting. It's why I love talking to minor leaguers, to be honest, right. like 19 year old kids, because those guys like the kids who are like just, you know, they're new to America or they're uh, straight up from from high school uh, a year or two before. Like those guys have interesting things to say. They don't have media hanging around them all the time. They're happy to have the attention of somebody wanting to talk to them about their craft. And they're much more interesting. You you get so many phenomenal quotes from kids in like A-ball. An example that I've used before is uh, Paul DeYoung when he was in uh, Peoria with the Cardinals. Well, this was three weeks after they drafted him. I interviewed him, and what a phenomenal interview! The guy, the kid was confident. He was telling me, "I'm going to be a big league hitter." I asked him who he comped himself with, and he said Buster Posey. Like, yeah, this, a very confident kid. And you know, I have interviewed him since, and he remembered me from that. So we we still have a good rapport, and he he still talks to me, you know, somewhat similarly. But I guarantee, you know, a random person walking into the Cardinals clubhouse and asking Paul the young questions doesn't get the candid responses like I did. Yeah, and it's and it's especially you're right. Like the guys who have been around um, for a few years, they get used to it, um, and they start to they they get these kind of canned responses and sometimes you know to their to their credit they're doing it because like in a post-game interview or something they're just worn out want to go home they want to whatever and so let me give you a couple of kind of cliched responses so i can go on with my business um so you know not to get too far into the weeds of the whole you know the media perspective um but I think that's a probably to go, circle back to Keiko. I think that's a lot of it is, and that's the part that gets missed is um, players know the kinds of responses that they should give, especially veteran players. And we, as the people reading the article that it, that contains the quote, we don't know what the question was that prompted him to say that. Um, so we got to keep that in perspective. Right. And, and to kind of finish on this topic before we, before we shut it down, um, what we're talking about with, with the fan reaction to that quote is exactly why guys are more guarded and don't make that, those kinds of statements too often. I think most fans would say, whether you're saying something like that about my team or not, they would, they would agree that they want players to be more candid that way. And that's better for the game for, for guys like Dallas Keuchel to say, Hell yeah, we're better than the Cubs. You know, yeah. we won the World Series and they didn't. They lost in the NLCS. So yeah, we're better than the Cubs, and we're not going to have a hangover. I mean, yeah, we want the players to say interesting things like that. As media, we want it badly, and as fans, you you want to read that. You don't want to read the cliches. It, it's no fun for me to go up to a player and say, "Hey, tell me about um, you know so and so and what he meant to the team," and you know, that they give me a whole bunch of, uh, oh, what a great guy. Oh, he'll be missed in the clubhouse. Oh, 
you know, uh, you know, positive cliche, positive, positive, positive. Like, you no, know, that's boring. Yeah. No one wants that. Tell me a good story. Right, right. And and sometimes like we, you know, the the fan reaction sometimes can get it can get downright ugly, especially, you know, I, I'm thinking about like some of what I've seen just in people reacting to Keiko. He tweeted um earlier today or kind of this evening about you know something about people being tough when they're behind a keyboard or a phone because i'm sure he's getting a lot of oh, you know, no. people tweeting at him and stuff and i saw one person's response um and it's not somebody that i know or i'm at all familiar with so you know i'm, I'm sure not somebody who's no none of the good people listening right. to this podcast exactly um and he tweeted a gif of you know, somebody like firing a gun at, you know, basically was, was suggesting that, you know, Keiko should be shot. Um, <laughs> and I'm, I'm looking at this and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, are you, you're that upset that he said that, that you're going to imply that he should be shot for this. Like there is a point where you've got to be able to step away from your fandom just enough to be like rational. Um, and I think most people, to like to their credit, like most of the people I know are able to do that. But there's also a large portion of the fan base where it's like, man, you gotta, you gotta settle down about that, right? And I mean, there's even like obviously the whole idea of of him being shot is is ludicrous. But there's even like the the tongue in cheek that you should be shot for this, like that that the person saying yeah. they're not actually thinking that. Even that is like for what he said is way too far like it's right. it's not it's, it doesn't even add up so um that's my that that, that will be our lesson uh, collectively to the listeners today is don't be a jerk online i mean especially don't don't at players on twitter to be no. jerks to them uh, it's the worst thing you can possibly do it, it makes you an awful fan to do that if you're if you're uh searching out or, or finding yeah. dallas keichel's twitter account so that you can make sure he sees your anger towards him or or even worse doing it to the players on the team that you root for like jason oh. hayward left twitter in 2016 right. you can you right. can imagine why like can you can't you honestly re reconcile your anger with with how that all transpired like that that isn't that's not cool don't be a jerk yeah just log off or you know complain to your friends about it and and don't don't tweet at these guys because i don't think people like they really do see all that stuff yeah. um they may not respond to you or acknowledge it but they see it and you know imagine like you know, I have a bad couple of days at my at my job and I got a bunch of people like just flaming me all the time. Like that's yeah, nobody needs that. They're just baseball players. Right. Well, I think that's a good uh, place to wrap on this one. Um, thanks again for listening, everybody. Uh, thank you again for joining me, Jared. It's always nice to have you on the podcast and, and chat about baseball. Yeah, glad to do it anytime. Well, you guys can uh, follow him at. I want to get it right. You you tell him your Twitter handle. It's it's uh, the super easy to remember Welsh spelling, um, J W Y L L Y S, um, and yeah, I I I think if you just search Jared W, I'll probably pop up too. So you can try that as well. And you'll be at Sporting News this year. Uh, what other places will you be writing, if any? 
that right now that's that's gonna be pretty much it i i've been doing some freelance stuff with like chicago magazine um but that's not you know too frequent and so for the most part a lot of like this the intensive baseball stuff it's all going to be sporting news so yeah keep an eye there cool well you can follow our podcast at locked on cubs on twitter and you can follow me at ryan q davis you can also email us at locked on cubs at gmail.com and we actually have a pretty cool uh giveaway going on right now i wanted to find something fun to give away i haven't received any uh any official news on whether someone's going to donate tickets for a giveaway but uh, as of right now a mint condition sammy sosa 1990 upper deck rookie card uh beautiful card it's one that i've had since i was a kid and i found it in my parents basement in one of those little plastic sleeves uh, and it's just in perfect condition and I'm, I'm willing to part with it. It's not extremely valuable, but it's just a cool little item to have. And, uh, if you go to locked on Cubs on Twitter, my pinned tweet explains how you can enter to win that card. And then if I end up getting any other, you know, cool donations of, of memorabilia or tickets to a game, uh, I'll add those on to the giveaway. So uh, just go read the tweet. It'll give you a couple things to do. Basically, it wants you to follow the Twitter account, retweet the tweet explaining the whole process, and go online on iTunes and leave us a positive review. We've already had a whole bunch of five-star reviews, people telling us how much you love the podcast. I'd love to hear that you love the podcast. Please leave us great reviews. If you have any uh, suggestions or critiques, please email us at lockedoncubs at gmail.com. That's it. Thanks, man. Yeah, thanks for having me.